0: I am like hotter than the sun at the moment today. I'll be back in two seconds.
1: We're back with the 10th episode of the Super Bayern podcast. We've made it to double digits. Uh, Bayern Munich played their final game of 2018 yesterday, and we'll be looking back not only at their games from this past week, but their entire season so far in our half-season roundup. Beyond that, we've got some big winter transfer rumors to work through. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm joined, as always, by Garrett Kerber.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Tim Richards. Hello. And, of course, Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Bayern won two big games this past week. First over RB Leipzig, then over Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Tim, I want to come to you for your thoughts first because one man in particular has been exceptional over the past week or so, and that's Frank Ribery, who I know you love to defend. So, what are your thoughts on his performances recently?
0: Really good. Uh, obviously, he's he is at the end of his career, but I think what we've seen over the past couple of weeks has been exactly what we've needed. All of our all of our wingers are injury, uh, uh, injury prone, I should say, and some of them are injured. And he's been able to step up and do exactly what has been asked of him, and that has resulted in him scoring. I think he's he scored in successive Bundesliga games for the first time in about two years, two or three years. Um, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely delighted to see that he's performing so well. I guess um,
2: the. The uh, the thing to say would be that um, I'm glad that it's happening, and um, I want to take back a lot of the negative things that I've said about him over the course of the year. But I also think, at the same time, um, it just kind of goes to show that you know players, especially of the caliber of a uh, Frank Ribery, can definitely you know come back and 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 still make their mark and still have their usefulness. And, um, but I also think that, you know, it's not good to, uh, to get too carried away with, uh, with two games. And, and he's been, he's been phenomenal, um, and a really big help to Bayern for sure. But, um, it's not, let's not extend him, uh, by any means. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but, uh, but by and large, I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it, that it did happen. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to really say about that whole situation. I know that, um, he's, but we kind of buried him for, like I said, the first half of the year and and rightfully so. Um, but it's been, it's, it's good to see him kind of get, have a little bit of a final run here. Um, so that it's not, a situation where we're moving on from him and thinking, "Oh, thank goodness!" And we're we're kind of maybe thinking, uh, being a little sentimental, a little nostalgic about the uh, the whole thing. So good to see, good to get the two wins. That's for sure.
3: As somebody uh, who has been quite against Frank Ribery in the last couple of weeks, uh, I guess I feel like we should not make too much out of his performances, but also not too little. I think there's a danger uh, in both directions here. Um I feel like he has played much better than I would have expected, and especially in terms of style. It's not that he has played as he has always played, played and just better, but it's more like he really started to play that kind of football I think Bayern needs to play, and that really surprised me. On the other hand, his goals were... Yeah, at times quite lucky. Uh, if he hadn't scored those goals, and I think it wouldn't have taken much for him not to score those goals, we would probably not talk about him in these terms. So I'm kind of, yeah, of two opinions here. Uh, It's really tough to pin down. And I think it's hard to predict how this is going to go on after, after the break. And I think there might really be some danger that, that he gets an extension.
2: I think that I I mean I totally agree and I think you make a really good point uh Sebastian about the fact that he wasn't he he's doing something different in these past two games than he has the whole year. He's not trying and you saw it a little bit in the uh, in the Frankfurt game. It was he, you start to see uh, a little bit near in the middle there. He started to kind of revert back to this I'm going to take on three guys at the same time and I'm going to dribble mm-hmm. my way through it and and I and, and i started to think well it might be time to start t- to take him off and um but he snapped back into the mindset of no this is not how i can play anymore i'm just not i'm not 25 or whatever and um and and then he ended up getting that goal which you know like you said a little bit lucky but as as a team that's been so so unlucky uh in this in this season um it was really good to really good to see especially from a player like Ribery that that has not had a good year to get a little bit of luck in that regard. Um, really good.
1: Well, yeah, and, you you know, it's important not to go overboard with the goals, but you can't separate them entirely, especially um, looking at the Leipzig goal because that was a massive um, goal for him to score. Byron were, looked like it was going to be a disappointing draw right after Dortmund had dropped points nonetheless, uh, and then Ribéry stepped up in, you know, classic Ribéry fashion scored. A pretty classic rivery goal with faking the two defenders and then uh, burying it on the left so with Kingsley Coman uh, missing especially in the last game Serge Avery got injured um, him stepping up like he did I think that's huge you know huge for the team and we've talked about all season how we want to see more I guess leadership out of him or you know to play like a veteran not like some guy who's still in his 20s trying to beat defenders and um, I think that's exactly what he did. He put the team on his back when he knew that the team needed him the most. Uh, and so th- I, that's more of the Frank Ribery that I want to see. And, I, you know, I agree completely. It's not extension-worthy. Um, but while Byron are in the situation that they're in, that's what you want out of, you know, your veteran players.
2: That's a, that's an effective Frank Ribery at 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a Frank Ribery that can be successful at a – not a Bayern high level, but a, but a decently high level for another two, maybe three years. It, you know, If he's playing in a way that's not so predicated on just technical ability and speed and, um, and just getting around guys, um, that's, that's how he's going to be successful going forward.
1: All right, so we'll go ahead and move on to the uh, Eintracht Frankfurt game from yesterday because we do have a lot to work through today. Um, Nico Kovac went up against his old side yet again and um came out with another very positive result a 3-0 victory against the frankfurt team have been very very good this season um they have kind of been on the decline recently but to go away to and for kovac to do it against his old side getting you know a good solid win there i think that was uh, that was huge what stood out to you from that game um sebastian i'll go ahead and start with you mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I guess this is finally the time when I will say something positive about Robert Lewandowski. Uh, yeah. I, I actually liked his performance, I guess. yeah, uh, I liked what, what he was doing. Uh, because he was kind of doing the same thing I was uh, saying about Frank Ribery a minute ago. Uh, they both played more in the kind of fashion that works with the new approach that I think we have been seeing with changing positions... If like the the was it the first no I think it was the second goal uh, where Lewandowski was well it was kind of in the middle but he was also coming uh, coming to the right side a bit and yeah he was also very much involved in changing positions with with the other guys and I really liked that a lot he uh, he did not even uh, he did not even score a goal this time but yeah I guess that's kind of what I what I want to see him for want to see from him at times not. Just trying to score goals for himself, but uh, yeah, giving other guys the ball who are in much better positions. I really like that.
2: Yeah, I definitely felt like um, I w- y- you noticed him in different spots on the field a lot more mm. uh, in this match than you did in the- in previous matches, and um, <laughs> and not to. I don't know. I think we'll probably touch on it a little bit later. But, but I I think that that's one of the things that I've appreciated more in the last few weeks about uh, the way Nico Kovac has coached this team is that it seems like now at the end of the first half, we're starting to see players that we thought we knew this is the only way that they were playing. This is the only way that they're going to play we're starting to see them actually start to make those changes and you're seeing results of it. And I think that that's absolutely huge um, for a manager to come in with that hasn't, it's not just a retread from, you know, Barcelona or or Real Madrid or PSG. It's, you know, it's a guy that came up through the uh, Bundesliga and and now at a big club like Bayern, he's getting some buy-in from some pretty, um, Pretty big name players, and so I think that's huge. I think that the the game itself um, against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt was really encouraging because even though um, at least the the Fox commentators and I think I saw a few people on Twitter mentioned that it was a, it was a flattering three nil three nil win for Bayern. I to me that was. I think if you look at the end of the game, you watch the end of the game, you see that, you know, Rafinha kind of gets a, you know, a fortunate goal and Ribri gets a fortunate, you know, bounce and and gets a goal. Um, you can look at that and say, well, yeah, well, you know, those two goals were lucky, but you look back in the first half, it, it could have very well been three nil at halftime. Um, just that, that cross in from, uh, Lewandowski to, to Muller that just rang off the crossbar. Um, yeah. yeah, they were just, they were working so well together. And, um, and, and I, we mentioned it, uh, on the, on the podcast, uh, Twitter page that, um, it was really fortunate for Frankfurt that, that Bayern had the halftime to deal with because they, we were just coming in waves at the end of that first half. And, uh, and that was, really encouraging to see Bayern to do that against a good side and um so yeah i mean this this win more so even than the, the hanover game because it's against a better side to me is is a great way to end the 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 hand um and and go into the winter break but tim
1: um frankfurt's kind of your you know, second side uh, we've established over the podcast. So, what did you think about about the Eagles um, and Byron's performance against them?
0: Uh, it's funny you mention the Eagles, and my mind instantly goes to Crystal Palace because the Eagles did really well this weekend against Man City. But yeah, we're not here to talk about that. I th- it was uh, uh, the first fifteen minutes was very hard to call, and I thought, okay, this is going to be another game like Leipzig where it could be. Hmm. Nil nil. They could win. Bayern could nick it. Who knows? Um But then from like afterwards, it was as uh, as Garrett and Sebastian said. It was just a completely different game, and Bayern looked like they were in control. Um, it was it was very promising to see my my best friend in the entire world, Rafinha. He scored what is arguably goal of the season. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: didn't he even try did so, to do it.
0: He made it. so on purpose. It, it wasn't a cross. <laughs> I have spoken to him. It's, it's all good. Um, I guess looking at the opposition, one person that I was going to be looking at the most was Luka Jovic. Um, he looks really good, and if you can, okay, he got was it five goals against Fortuna Dusseldorf earlier in the season. Okay, it's five goals against Dusseldorf. It's difficult to kind of maintain that consistency across the board um, across the season. He didn't get a goal. He came close a couple of times, but he he looks like a really, really talented player that's got a great future in front of him. Um, he was really great linking up with Sebastian Allaire. Um, he's a player that I would love to see at Bayern in the future. Um, but yeah, generally very happy with this result.
1: We'll get to more on Luka Jovic in a second, but um, scoring five goals against Düsseldorf, that's more than... Bayern and Dortmund combined, were able to do so. <laughs> True. That may say a little bit more than you think. Uh, and my favorite my favorite part about the Rafinha goal, and probably the whole entire match, was that after that went in, the camera panned back to Rafinha immediately, and he was just celebrating it like it was totally on purpose. <laughs> best goal he's ever scored. Because it was on yeah. purpose. <laughs> uh, I love that. You know, Thomas Muller gets an accidental assist, and Rafinha, and, well, it's accidental, I'll put that in quotation marks, uh, goal. <laughs> you can't get much better than that. Um, any other thoughts from, from these two matches?
2: Nicholas Sula was amazing in, in this Frankfurt match. Um, just, I, there was so many dangerous chances that he snuffed out. Um, and uh, and so and for a Bayern side that's struggled to deal with these quick... Uh, countering and these fast teams uh, for him to come up big against a team like Frankfurt was, was huge. And uh, so, you know, just kind of want to throw his name out there as a, as a shout out for, for having an excellent game and, and actually being the best center back that we have in this first half of the season. um, That's been, that's been as huge as he is a large man. Um, it's been a a big, big thing for Bayern to have back there. I think if we're going to talk about centre-backs, then
0: that's probably been the most contentious issue in in terms of position uh, this season. There's a lot of call for Boateng to be sold either in January and get somebody else in or just sold at the end of the year, or he should have been sold earlier. Um, Yeah, he's had a really very difficult up and down season. It's kind of hard to gauge just how good he still is because it was only a couple of years ago that he was almost objectively the best center back in the world. Um, and he's just massively fallen off since then. He's lost a good step of um, a good yard of pace. Um, I thought he did okay against Frankfurt. There were elements where uh, Zula had to cover for him, but his distribution is still fantastic. Um, he, he still made a couple of very important tackles I think he did fine. So, and it's the same principle as Ribery. Okay, this player is not good enough for this team anymore. But then you wait a little bit, and then they put in another good performance. I think foot, like footballing mentality, is it has a tendency to be very reactionary, uh, and it's difficult to just say uh, this person isn't good enough based on a couple of performances. You always need to look at a wider scale. I think Boateng did. Well enough to confirm that he is still that he still has a quality to offer,
2: and if he was willing to, um, and 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 if he was willing to even you know take a little bit of a pay cut as well to stay around, he would be a perfect bench guy for for Bayern because these are the type and, and Ribery as well. I mean, Ribery's we're to the point where Ribery needs to move on regardless, but. The fact that they can they can still do it and they can, still can provide something really valuable to um, through the team is is the is an indicator that they they're still effective valuable important players but they just cannot be the guys that you rely on them to be or have relied on them to be and that's kind of the thing is is it can they be can they change their mindset from I'm the best center back in the world to I'm the best center back sub in the world, you know, something to where you're, you're a little bit more, you know, we talk about that, that, that team um, mentality and, and, and I think not that they don't have it now, but, but there is a different mentality that you have to have being the third or fourth option at center back um than than being the first or second and and i think that if if he um and even hummels to a degree i, I think humble maybe to a lesser degree even um but they can still be valuable members of Bayern. but it's just for the for the term and for what they probably still want to do with their careers i it, it probably won't happen but like you said um not a bad game from him not a great one but but solid, and that's all we needed from him.
3: I definitely think that, that Boateng will want to play two or three years on the highest level still. Uh, it was pretty clear, I feel, in the summer uh, that, that he is, doesn't feel like uh, the best part of his career is behind him. Uh, and I think that's also quite true for, for Hummels in, in, in a similar way, I would think. So uh, I guess that's going to be tough. Of course, it's, it's, it, there's the question. If we bring somebody in, will that be somebody who will be our clear number one or clear number two? Or are we going to bring somebody in who's maybe, uh, would, be, would be fine with sharing this second spot, uh, behind Zula, I guess. If we are getting, uh, somebody like Pava, I think I could imagine, uh, that he would be all right, kind of, with not playing every match. I would hope so. But I guess that's tough, really tough to decide. Um, And I wanted to mention something else. Uh, I feel like uh, other than uh, at the beginning of the season, it doesn't feel any more like uh, our system completely depends on who's playing. And that's a good thing. Because at the beginning of the season... When Robin was on the field, or when Ribery was on the field, you know they were going to play this kind of football. And if if uh, other people were on were on the on the pitch, you you knew that they were not going to play the same kind of football. And you also had uh, could guess. I, I would I would think that Kovac would, would be fighting with them, and they would not be cl- it would not be clear where we were where we we're going to go with this. And I think that that is behind us now, and that's a very very good thing. You feel, uh, I, I think I'm i under the impression that no matter who's on the pitch right now, they know what they're going to do. And it, it's not it, it's not so important uh, who uh, if, if this one player plays or if another player. So I think that's very great. Right?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think Javi Martinez gave us the perfect uh, example of that being true. Because earlier in the season, if Javi Martinez was in the game, like you said, it, it's... We have a very clear way of how Bayern are going to play. It's going to be that funnel into the one defensive midfielder. And though Thiago and Kimmich uh, in midfield with him did tend to push forward a little bit more, it was still very much that 4-4-1-1, um, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it, that we're used to seeing mm-hmm. where it wasn't just one defensive midfielder. Uh, so that flexibility, I guess, would be a good word to use. Um, that's definitely an encouraging sign and you know, flexibility within the same system. Uh, more or less. Mm-hmm. Well, Sebastian, you just gave us a perfect segue uh, into our next segment um, <laughs> because Byron have been linked with another, or Byron have been linked with a potential defensive signing um, over the winter window. Um, A lot of reports coming out, I think it originated with Marca, that Bayern are willing to spend up to 85 million euros to buy out the release clause of Atletico Madrid defender Lucas Hernandez. And some reports are even saying that he or that the club and the player have already come to an agreement. All that's left is for Bayern to put the offer on the table to Atletico Madrid and he can come over as as soon as January 1st. Uh, Is this a signing that, A, you think makes sense for Bayern? Uh, and B, is this a signing that gets you excited?
3: Uh, Good question here, because it's really two different questions. Yeah, it does get me excited, if it's true, uh, because it shows that Bayern is really willing uh, to spend a lot of money. On the other hand, there are so many question marks. While I do like the player a lot, uh, yeah, it's not quite clear where he would fit uh, in the squad right now. Because he's either a center back, but probably not so well suited uh, next to Süle, Um, or he's a left back. So, yeah. What do make this? I don't think it's uh, so very clear. I would hope it's uh, hinting at three at the back in the future, possibly. But that's just one of a lot of possibilities here.
1: Well, I don't think that... Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any way that he's being signed as a left back uh, or with you know the intention from byron that he'll be playing left back because one we have david oliva and as good as you yeah. know lucas may be i don't think he's overtaking oliva and you don't want both of those players sitting on the bench so i think he would be i think if i'm correct he started out as a center back and was moved over to left back kind of like joshua kimmick is naturally a, a midfielder um so I think him being signed would indicate that he's going to go into central defense alongside Sula. And like you said, I would really hope this means that we're looking at three in the back in the future. Um, but it is it is kind of interesting. And Garrett, you brought up a very good point the other day in the in the chat about you know if this is a defensive signing, it doesn't really line up with what we've seen uh, from Kovac at the past couple of
2: weeks. Yeah, he because. He had talked in a press conference about um, buying Benjamin Pavard and said that we have enough center backs. We don't need to be bringing in another center back, and um, it would be foolish to do that during the winter. Um, But, you know, maybe maybe they've had meetings since then and said, you know, hey, now's our window to to get these signings because if we wait until the summer, we're going to, you know, risk – other teams coming in and, and uh, bidding us up and, um, and all that. So I, that's the only thing I can think that would square that away. Um, I haven't, I mean, obviously teams put out, you know, all sorts of statements that are not lies, but, um, mistruths, I guess, um, you would call them. And so there's, it, it's definitely a possibility that they have, Planned this the whole time, and, and he was just saying something to get people to stop talking about it. But um, to me, the more likely is is that they've just determined that this is the player that they want, and uh, along with Pavard, and if they can get them one or both in the winter um, and help their team and uh, look towards even beyond this uh, the spring, um, then then perhaps they'll they'll do it i i think like you said it's just hard to see where he fits in right now um, because um I, i agree with sebastian i'm not really sure how he fits at center back next to uh sula if he's if we're not doing the uh a three at the back sort of thing um but if he comes in at left back i know i've seen some people say that they thought that alaba could play more centrally um, which I don't I don't know. I haven't given that much thought, um, and I don't know that Alaba could move over to the right side. Um, but knowing that Kovac, for the better part of his um, managing career, has done the uh, more of a 3-4-1-2 or something along those lines that's been kind of his preferred formation, it would make sense that maybe this has just been kind of a slow progression towards getting the players more comfortable in um with each other and with the way he wants to play um and and maybe 3 at the back is the the future i i think that that's what we all hope um but i don't know it'll be interesting to see how how this all plays out because it certainly sounds like the this is happening it certainly sounds like we're going to end up with lucas and and possibly Pavard as well mm-hmm. um, in the winter, and which would be huge and it'd be awesome. But it's just it's hard to envision how this is all going to look um, come January 18th.
1: Well, on the on the Lucas rumors in the past, when transfer rumors have come out with such intensity and have been publicized so heavily, Bayern releases a statement, or the president will, uh, Honus or Rummenigge, will directly say no, we don't want to mess up our relations with, you know, whatever club. In this case, Atletico Madrid, we're absolutely not interested in the player. Uh, in this case, though, they're kind of being a little bit more coy about it. Um is not really denying anything. They did say, you know, obviously we don't, if we have an offer, we'll submit it to Atletico Madrid. And, but nothing beyond that. Uh, Kovac is just kind of trying to dodge any questions <laughs> Um, they're all saying, "Yeah, Lucas yeah. is a great player. We'll see what happens. Lucas is a great player. We'll see what happens." There hasn't been any, any outright denial, uh, and so I would agree, Gary. I think this is a deal that I, I, I think it's happening. I w- if I had to bet right now, I would definitely put my money on it on it going through. Um, don't
2: don't actually go out and bet though. We don't encourage you to gamble based on our opinion. <laughs> especially not <laughs> on buying transfers. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. There would be not not enough to gamble, I suppose, at times. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, I know that you haven't been the biggest fan of Benjamin Pavard. Um, does this Lucas Hernandez signing, does this one excite you a little bit more?
0: It's more in intrigue. I think is is exciting because you know, young, talented player. I, I you mentioned like Bayern don't want to tarnish a relationship with atletico madrid i didn't even know that there was a relationship with atletico madrid like have we has there been i think like manzukic i think was he's got to be the only player that went from one club to the other um so i don't know if that was like the beginning of a beautiful friendship or or something um this is a it's the sort of transfer that you know will make you think okay bayern are here to play Mm Mm-hmm but for eighty or eighty-five million, that's a lot of money. That's that's double what Bayern's transfer record is, which is kind of where I think. Okay, cool. What? Where has this come from? Like, it's just really, it's really quite surprising. Uh, so, um, one of the other contributors to uh, Bavarian tweets uh, on on Twitter was saying that it, as a whole, this transfer makes sense in like the buy-in scheme of things. It's a player that has come from a World Cup winning squad. So, I don't know if Javi Martinez was in Spain's World Cup winning squad, but he was important in their in their Euros. Like, he was, he was part of it. Um, and was a prominent feature to a team that had had some form of, I guess, like some form of European success. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Athletic Bilbao were in the Europe um was it the UEFA cup back then they're in the final and having uh, martinez was important there um craim came from from the france euro squad there are a number of things that kind of add up to make it look like yeah as a whole this transfer could possibly happen just looking at track history but that number is disturbingly high and if if he was to come in january does that mean that this Two hundred million to spend in the summer is that now down to hundred and twenty million, or was there this secret pot of like eighty plus million just for january it's everything about it makes sense, but then alongside that, there's a lot that really doesn't quite fit for me um I don't know like I guess if if three at the back is the future for buy, then yeah, maybe it's, this does make sense because he is that sort of hybrid between. Much like Benjamin Pavard, of he's mm-hmm. sort of a fullback, he's sort of a, a central, uh, a centre back, and I think those sort of players work really nicely in a three at the back. So when Antonio Conte uh, switched Chelsea to a three at the back, you saw many of the defences in the Premiership feature a fullback because it's somebody that adds a bit more pace and and a bit more energy to what is traditionally quite a slow partnership. So you have um, Nacho Monreal at Arsenal, Azpilicueta at Chelsea, David Alaba at Bayern. He was the fullback of a back three. Um, Guardiola raved about him. So maybe this does make sense. But that number is very high for me to be willing to go and put a bet on for it. Yeah, I mean, we we really need to put this into perspective. Who else could you get for 85
3: million? For 85 million, you could get Vanna, You could you could get Harvard's for sure. Uh, you could probably uh, you could easily get Jovic. Maybe even Jovic and Pavar, Maybe we're going. Mm, yeah, could be. I guess not. Not not out of the of possibility. I would say. I guess that's that's really the point here. Uh, otherwise, if that would be 50, we would probably all be very very happy. With 85, it's really just a price tag here because it's a great player. It's a player with a great future. Uh, It's a flexible kind of player. It's really just this huge price tag. Of course, prices go up in the winter. So whoever we want to get in the winter would probably come with additional millions attached, I would think. But it's the very steep price tag, especially if it's not quite clear uh, how we are going to use him uh, in the rest of the season
0: I yeah. think a, a part of it also comes from a, a premium that is now it's, it's now possible that he could play in the Champions League so that's always going to drive the price up I, th- I think this price is actually a release clause so mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was more yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. but even so I think if Bayern are prepared to do that then it is like okay we'll just consider that a, a base value of about what 50 million plus then that little bit extra so that he can be in an instant impact for us rather than, okay, you can come in, but you can't actually do anything of any value for the next six months.
2: I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd much rather, I'd much rather pay 85 for Lucas than 60 for Delict. Um, because I don't know that Delict is, is coming in and making the same instant impact. He's playing for, uh, you know, a, a, a better than people think Ajax obviously but but you have uh Lucas playing for Atletico Madrid um with you know uh, for a team that's had success in the Champions League that's um be, been a top 3 team in um one of the better leagues in the world um he's 22 years old he's been um he's been on a World Cup squad he's blindingly fast i mean i think he's got everything you want, And I think that, you know, yeah, 85 or 80 or whatever it is, is a little high, but at the same time, you know, that it's not going to go higher than that. You're not going in and then getting into a bidding war with people that it's going to make you think, oh, we could have got him for, you know, 40. And then we ended up having to spend 40 more than we wanted because, you know, Manchester United got involved and all these, that mean, they can go in, pay that clause and just talk, you know, with the player on, on wage and, uh, and make that happen. So I think there is some, some value in that. I also think that the 200 million, uh, euro number that we keep talking about, I think maybe that's not a number we need to be getting hung up on because Mm -hmm. I, I believe, I believe at the beginning of, um, of this podcast, we were talking like it would be closer to a hundred. We were thinking, wow, if they spent a hundred million in the summer, and then all of a sudden it kind of, it, we, you started hearing different rumors about, Oh, it might be this. And then 200 was the number that he threw out there, but it might be like the 144,000 that they talk about in revelation. You know, it's like, well, is it really a hundred, 144,000? Or is it just like, that's a number that represents, we're going to spend a lot of money, <laughs> you know, and, that and, and that could be, um A little bit more what they're talking about, I think you know they're in a financial position that they could spend a lot of money. They could spend a lot more than two hundred million if they wanted to, but I think that going in thinking this is what we're gonna spend is two hundred million um and then you end up spending two fifty. I think you're in a good you're you're in good shape if they're the right players, and that's I think the, the bigger thing I think another
3: important aspect here is will that be everything or to say it with Kovac, will there be other presents under the Christmas tree? Uh, Because I would not have said that centre-back would be my first priority in January. I would have said we need a right-back, we probably need somebody to play the wings, since people are already, again, getting injured. I would have preferred somebody who can play, maybe maybe a right-back who can also play on the right wing. That would maybe have been fine, if you can find a player like that. We sold a player like that in in the uh, recent past, so yeah, maybe not. That would have been my priorities here, so can we expect more transfers in in January? I think that's a very interesting question.
1: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go, because if you're spending in the winter, it's usually for not like a signing that you kind of want, but it's usually a signing that you need, like the immediacy, um, it needs to be solved right now. Do you think we already obviously got Sebastian's thoughts, but uh Tim and Garrett, do you think defense um specifically center back and I'll throw in left back because he can also play there? Do you think our defenses should be the main priority for uh Kovach um Sally and everyone over the winter transfer window?
2: I guess i kinda I kind of think so um I think that uh I think that they they keep talking up. Like Alfonso Davies is going to be a contributor on this team um, in the in the next uh, part of the season, and so um, I think that they feel good there. They feel like um, you know, Hamis will be coming back. They feel like Coman and um, and Ribery and Robin and all those guys can can do enough for them um, before the summer. I think that. Uh, we can handle that. And I think that a lot of Byron's problems, if you look at um, the, you know, XG and, um, and, and expected goals allowed and all that um, we, we're not scoring as much as we, you would expect Um, the stats kind of show that we're a, a few goals underneath what we would expect to score, but we're, we are way over, we're about five goals more given up than what we would be expected to give up and i think that a lot of the problems that we've had and a lot of the big losses or um or the the games where we've dropped points that we shouldn't have have been due to major defensive errors uh (laughs) will a will a transfer fix those things i don't know i mean it some of them felt kind of fluky but i i still feel that um our Defensive end of the pitch is a lot, a lot bigger of a question mark. Um, you know, when we were going through the bad thing, bad stretch, a you know, bad month and month and a half or whatever it was, it was always that we felt like we were going to concede a goal every time that you know a team started started pushing up that way. And so, yeah, I, I guess I would say that defense would be the biggest area of immediate need i i definitely think that there's you know long term there's issues in the in the front but i'd definitely be more more um more i ideally you'd, you'd fix the back in the immediate future
1: Garrett, i would i would agree with you completely there um especially the the past month or so of performances from jerome Boateng and matt Hummels. It kind of shows that they need more competition or, you know, to push them to play better or Bayern just need to get someone who can perform at a higher level. Um, And I I think Lucas is more than capable of being a good partner for Sula. They're both fast. Um, If Lucas is playing left back, he's at least good enough on the ball that he can play out of the back uh, decently. Um, Sula's a large physical presence. Lucas is, I think, six six feet tall. So he's not a giant like Sula, um, but he's still strong. He's still physical, a very physical player, especially coming out of Atletico Madrid. And I think he'd make a great partner. Um, and yeah, I I'd really like to see us, you know, not be in a state of we could get counterattacked and just go down at any moment just because of individual mistakes. And like you said, I'm not sure Lucas is going to fix all that. But buying a proven 22 year old defender uh, with some versatility, I think that. I think that's a smart, a very smart move, um, and probably should take priority.
2: Well, he's been used to playing with some older defenders anyway, and at, at Atletico because um, you have Godín there, and um, which should give him good experience, um, especially, um, yeah, just playing with with older, aging players. So yeah, I think he, I think he'd fit in well. But yeah, I definitely, I guess I. Just to kind of hammer home the point, I guess the the areas that we've felt the most shaky at have been in defense, and so i'd I'd like to see more options at least come in so that we can you know find what works,
1: and I would also think if we're getting him that we can maybe hold out on a right back until the summer because Joshua Kimmick is capable. And our midfield is unless we're offloading a midfielder over the winter, it's so crowded that you don't have to play Kimmich in midfield. Um, and I know we go back and forth on this over and over, and, but that that would be my thinking, if we could. Um, I know some of you will probably disagree with that, but that's my thinking.
3: Yeah, I, I would have really loved to, to have Kimmich uh, in the midfield because I guess I mentioned that last week too. Uh, but I guess I will kind of rehash it here because I really feel it's important. Uh, we want this guy to become the best player he can get, he can become. And that means he should probably at least most of the time play the position he's best at and he's most com- comfortable at. That's why I think we should not make so many compromises with the guy because we want that, him to be that guy for Bayern for 10 years or something like that. And I guess that that won't help uh, if we put him uh, on the right side if it's not his best position, and if he doesn't feel like it is his best position. And also, uh, what I also wanted to mention, I guess what I wanted to ask you guys, since Garrett brought that up, how confident are you that Afonso Davies uh, will get more than the odd couple of minutes every kind of five or ten games? Because, uh, yeah, I'm not very confident that he will fare any better than the other young guys. Why would I?
1: well i'll I'll go ahead and answer that because I'm confident he'll get game time um not necessarily because I think he's that talented, but because I know how frail Byron's four current wingers are um so i think I think he'll get game time but like on a serious note, I don't think Byron would have bought an eighteen year old from Canada um and then constantly pushed the fact that he's going straight to the first team if it wasn't true so He's obviously not going to be playing with the the, the second team, um, so surely he'll be getting at least some game time with the first team. I think I think he'll get minutes. I don't think I think you're a fool if you're expecting him to come in and light up the Bundesliga. Um, there's that's just not going to happen. No matter you know it might, but that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but I think he'll get his minutes, and uh, I hope I hope he impresses at least a little bit in the time that that he gets on the pitch.
3: Uh, my perception was that probably the board likes him very much, Sadie Hamidz probably likes him very much, but Kovac is just so careful, just so o- over, overly careful about uh, playing the young guys. So both might be true.
2: I think maybe the the thing that's helped his case, um, for, uh, or helped Davy's case, I guess, is that... Um... Dortmund did drop points before the break, and so being six points back rather than uh, nine points back, maybe there's a little bit less pressure on Kovac to be absolutely perfect. Um, I mean, I still think he needs to be pretty darn close. Uh, Bayern need to be pretty darn close in order to to make up that gap. But um, I, I, I guess I just, for me, do I think, I don't know that I think he's going to be the type of player that we think demands um, minutes by his play, but I also think that they've talked him up and they spent enough money on him um, and they spent enough time pushing, you know, they were retweeting his goals from, you know, with Vancouver uh, Whitecaps and they were, they've were they been just pushing that this kid is coming, this kid is coming, this kid is coming. I, I, maybe it's going to end up being one game, but they, they have to get him in so they can say hey see we've been pushing him and now here he is and you know um <laughs> maybe it'll be a, a pocal game maybe it'll be you know i mean i guess that would be one of the more likely uh pocal or or um some maybe if we play hanover when we play hanover again um we can we can get him on the pitch but i i would expect him to get some minutes i don't like like ben said i don't know that we can get you know you expect him to come in and be immediate starter for the rest of the year that's foolish but but i don't know i, I don't even know how to even put a number on it um you you'll, you'll see him some
0: and he's very young yeah but like, i th- i think like people talk about him as right, as as you've all said people talk about him as if he's going to come in and be like oh he's the starter no, like he is he is a very, very young guy. Um I I remember seeing kind of at the beginning of this season, sort of just before the season started, the the PR team and the and the marketing team for Bayern were having like a really strong focus around Renato Sanchez. And they were saying, like, Oh, great goal from Sanchez in training, like, oh look at this free kick that Sanchez scored against PSG. It was a really good free kick. Um but having Having that sort of, it's not like, I don't want to say it's fake, but like having somebody be like, yeah, we, we all really believe you. That's going to, that's going to do wonders for his confidence. Um, so, and the fact that he's going to have, so he's been training with the team already. So he's been in Munich a few times. He's apparently got a good relationship with Matt Summels. I think, I, I can't guess, like, oh, I reckon he's going to get, like a full ninety minutes against this team because I thought Serge Gnabry was going to get a full ninety minutes against so many teams this season, and he's in my opinion been one of Bayern's best. Like I, I, don't want to even say best wingers, best forwards.
2: Yeah, I think the the thing about him too that, sorry, that is important to um to think about too is like with Renato Sanchez they kept pushing, you know how how phenomenal he was looking and all these things. And they're doing the same thing with Davies, um, and yet uh, they haven't done that with any of their other youth players. And you're not seeing constant, you know, pushing like, "Hey, uh, Joshua Xerxes is is coming up, um, and look at this amazing goal he scored in, you know, in the UEFA Youth League or, or whatever." Um, you're you're hearing that they're. You know they're doing well or whatever, but you're never getting so much like, oh yeah, they're pushing for first team minutes, and um, and we expect them to come right right in. Um, they've been constantly talking about how well Davies has been doing in in training. Um, he's constantly with uh, Alaba on uh, on Instagram, and um, but he is so he is so young. I mean they they I think it was it was either yesterday or two days ago they put out a. A gif of him revealing that he had removed his braces from his teeth so that's a that's a young player
1: yeah and and as far as like not giving exposure to the other young guys um in the second team i think that's more of a kovac thing i think they want to you know they'll they'll push the guys that kovac is deciding to play uh so like when when Xiong got his champions league minutes they were really pushing that uh they promoted right. him a whole lot so it, it kind of goes back to that Um, While we're on the topic of transfers, winter transfers, let's go ahead and assume that this Lucas deal goes through. Um, Do you think Bayern Munich will make any more winter moves besides Lucas and Alfonso Davies?
3: I really hope so, because I feel something needs to happen about the right side. I'm I'm not happy with uh, with Kimmich uh, being basically forced to play right back because we have no other choice. Uh, I feel like we should do something there, and it should not be so very expensive. You can get a guy for fifteen million, I guess, who would be able to do the job better than Athena is doing. That should be
2: possible. After that wonder goal, though, I don't know. You uh, have to pull out the yeah. Maybe that changed their minds. <laughs> yeah, I actually, for me, um, the this. I guess I'll be happy if they end up with getting Lucas and um, and then like like Sebastian said, uh, more of a depth Depthy type uh, right back, um, I'd be happy with. But um, I really, and it maybe this sounds contradictory based on what I said earlier. But like I'd really love them to actually go make a real hard push at Kai Havertz, um, even if it's some sort of a situation like um, Goretzka, where they're saying, "Well, we'll get him at the end of the year," you know. But you know, you play out the rest of the year with with Leverkusen. Uh, I would love. I would just love that, and you know, especially because at you know this last weekend he scored the two goals and um, he's just he's just sitting out there and and now they have a new they have a new coach um, so that could be good or bad for um, Byron's chances of, of getting the player but um, yeah I'd love to see them get him it would be nice to see them bring in Pavard as well um, as Lucas because I do think that that would maybe speed things along towards getting us to a back three or Pavard, you know, being a type of player that could play right back, I think um, would be a, a nice little boost. So I guess to whittle it all down, I guess my perfect winter transfer window would be Lucas Pavard um, coming down the team this year. And then we buy Kai, Kai Havertz to, to at least come on the team over the <laughs> summer, but we've got that set in stone already
3: i
0: take
2: it, yeah, of I'd course. Just, I, I wouldn't necessarily say
0: that. I, 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 Sorry, I can't remember who said it, but I think the winter transfer is, like the winter window is there for like necessity. Um, I, I think, Benjamin, you said that it's, it's not like, oh, yeah, we kind of like this player. Let's get them now. Um, so I think I, I'd love to see transfer activity. I always get excited by saying like, oh, these people are coming to buy and this is really great. Um yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it's exactly necessary. Like as as we said, we've got uh, a talented right back, and uh, well, and Rafinha is there as well. Um, so we've for the for all intents and purposes, the right back situation is covered for six months or, or however long. Obviously, if Rafinha or Kimmich gets injured, then yeah, that completely goes out the window. I guess you just put Leon Goretzka there or some, would find another person that can do that job. Um, but I think that is really kind of all we need.
1: You meant to yeah. say, you meant to say we have a good right back and Kimmich as well, right? Yeah. Not Rafinha. Uh, <laughs> I was into your mind. like, can I go? <laughs> no, I'll <play> it safe.
2: <laughs> I feel like we, I, we need to caveat it that like Rafinha is a, a big important part of this team. <laughs> I don't want to sound make it sound like we. I just he's not Sandro Wagner. Let's say that. I, no, I really feel is. like we could do without Sandro Wagner, but like Rafinha plays an important role. He's not who you want to rely on, but he's at least he's at least there in service. A, a bit like Sebastian Roda.
0: Like, he's going to be in your squad whether he does anything or not. He's never going to complain. Like he's never held out for more money. Like he's never said I should be doing this. Like the players around me need to help me more, (laughs) which is like a really funny image to think of. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: Like I I didn't like Rafinha at the start. Like when he came in, I thought, "What's this guy doing?" There's no need for him. And then the more I realised, like the more I thought about it, I realised teams need players like him. To just show up and do the dirty work because right back is not a glorious position. It's not a glamorous position. Yeah. And the fact that he's going to show up, put in a shift, score goal of the year. And then, <laughs> you know, next game, maybe he's going to be dropped again. Like he, yeah. He's just going to get on with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm always going to respect him for that.
1: All right so yesterday's match marked the end of 2018 for Bayern but it also marked the end of the first half of the season uh, for Bayern Munich and it's kind of been a a topsy-turvy roller coaster of a season so far so I have a few questions I want to hear the answers from you guys for uh, kind of give a recap of how the season has gone so far and the first one is who has been Bayern's best player so far this season and I'll go ahead and start with you Sebastian.
3: Yeah, there are really only uh, two picks for me here, two possible picks. Uh, that would be either Süle or Kimi. Uh, and I uh, will go with the boring choice. I will go with Kimmich. Kimi. Uh, he really impressed me. He's grown so much. Uh, he was just one very good player at Bayern last season, I-, I think. And now, for me, he really turned into the most important Bayern player, uh, the most important player on the squad, the most versatile player on the squad. The most impressive player, and also he's starting to become kind of a leader. I feel like uh, he's already acting, yeah, like an important player, not just like one of the players. So, yeah, rather rather easy choice for me here.
1: Yeah, that um on Twitter and Reddit, that whole future captain Kimmich, that thing that started out as a joke is, I mean, really picking up steam and for many becoming a reality. Um, I guess a better question I would have asked is, does anybody? not think that Joshua Kimmich has been the best player for Bayern Munich so far this season
2: I think I mean if you want the case to be made um I think you can make the case for a few other players um but I do think that Kimmich is the most obvious choice um I do think that for you know just to kind of keep keep on the the Lewandowski love train um I do think that, you know, for, for all the things that we um, I say, we, I say collective we, but I know that, you know, you know how I feel. He's still the top goal scorer for the club by a good margin. He's um, I think second in assists on the team. Um, and for all intents and purposes, he is, he is the the offensive engine for this, for this club. And, um, and that's, with the defense struggling as, as it has, and, and I say struggling with air quotes, because it's, you know, giving up 18 goals in 17 matches is not anything horrid, but, um, I, I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, we have the best number nine in the world. And, um, and even as, as he's been playing kind of poorly, um, over the year, he's still been the heaviest lifter on the offensive end. Now I understand, you know, and I also agree that probably the best player for Bayern over the course of the entire season, the most consistent, um, outside of Kimmich obviously would be maybe Sula. Um, but I, I think that from a statistical standpoint, you can make an easier case for, for Lewandowski than maybe you can with Sula.
1: Okay. I would echoing that Lewandowski thing. Um, it is something we saw big time yesterday. He's changed his play a lot. uh, And I think it's helped out Niko Kovac immensely. Um, So for example, yesterday, he didn't take a single shot uh, on goal, but he was still a hugely influential player in the final third. Um, He was creating big chances, could have had more than the one assist that he actually did. Uh, He was being very, very unselfish. Yes, I'm still talking about Robert Lewandowski being very, very unselfish. Um, And so I think that Giving him a shout out is fair. Uh, I don't think he overtakes Kimmich, but um, mentioning his name is, is definitely, uh, you know, it fits.
2: He's got to be in the top five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for everybody, sure. right?
1: Yeah. I don't know about for everybody, but I'm right there with you, Garrett.
2: <laughs> well, okay. I'll take one. All
1: right. So uh, Sebastian gave Sula a shout out. Garrett gave Lewandowski a shout out. Tim, anyone you want to give a shout out? Or I guess, you know, you could have someone overtake Kimmich as player of the season so far.
0: I've got to go Rafinha on this. (laughs) Uh, No, as much as I'd like to,
1: I'll
0: be serious. Um, In terms of players that have been on the pitch and have really impressed me every single time they've been on the pitch, Serge Gnabry takes it for me. Um, He's not had as much playing time as maybe we'd like or maybe we would have expected from him. I don't know why that would be. Maybe Kovac just wanted to protect wingers because he knew that everybody's really injury-prone. When he's played, I've seen a player that I think can be probably... I want to say that he's going to be better than Kingsley Coman. People talk about Coman as if he's... Well, uh, to exactly quote myself from last week, people talk about Coman as if he is Bayern's best winger. I think... Serge Gnabry offered, like has a lot more to offer. He may not be as quick but he's still very quick. I think he's a, a better dribbler. I think he has slightly better uh, footballing intelligence. I think he is of of the two, I think he's the one that I have the most confidence will reach a higher ceiling. I still believe that both of them won't be able to achieve the level of Ribery and Robin at, at their peak but I think to expect that from from anybody would be ridiculous because it is such a high level. Uh, but yeah, my out has to go to Gnabry. I, I, I think we've all kind of hit the nail on the head. Nicholas Sula, Kimmich. I, I suppose I should probably give a shout out to Lewandowski as much as it pains me to say, um, but no, he's he's really turned it around this this season, and it's it's great to see. But my my nominate uh, my nomination for best player is Serge Gnabry
1: he was going to be mine if you didn't if you didn't bring him up um i don't know if i would say he's better than coman but I, I definitely would agree that he seems to have a more natural attacking instinct than coman um his positional play is generally better he seems to be a bit more driven than coman um which i like uh, i love both players so i'm very happy with how nabri's done so far this season um i'm very happy with you know the promise that Coman shows. So whether or not they reach that robbery level, you know, you can't expect that from anybody. But I do I do like what we have in those two players. And I'm thoroughly happy with how Mavri has performed uh, when given the opportunity so far.
3: I feel like at least Coman has come a, a, a long way, really, in terms of scoring goals. Very early in his career, you felt like he was really afraid, even trying to, to uh, tr- uh, score himself. Uh, and he really had some very awkward moments in front of the goal very early in his career at Bayern. So I feel like he, he's really come a long way and can probably still improve. But on the other hand, I still kind of agree. Kuman is really more of a forward, more of a striker from his menta- mentality and from his instincts. I would totally agree there.
1: You mean nabry.
3: Uh Nabri, sorry. Yeah, of course. That's fine. <laughs> Didn't make sense otherwise. All
1: right. So on the flip side of that, who has been the most disappointing player uh, so far this season? And I feel like there might be, sadly, a bit more competition for that role. Uh, Garrett, I'll go ahead and start with you.
2: Okay. Um, through no fault of his own, we don't think. Uh, the most disappointing player for me is James this uh, this year uh, so far. Uh, like I said, whether it's just not being 100% healthy and not being able to get on the pitch as much as maybe we would um, would have liked to see him. It's just been really disappointing to not be able to see what he really can become in this Bayern squad, especially given that we're coming up on the time where Bayern's going to have to make a decision about when whether they buy him or not from uh, from that loan. And um, and I think that's what's just disappointing for me is that it when he came in there was a lot of potential there and then you know we saw the type of player he could be um under under Heinkes um there at the end and really felt like this could be a player that really changes the look of who Bayern have been um and and maybe you are able to get away a little bit from being so heavily reliant on uh, on Lewandowski scoring goals and, and maybe you have a guy that can create goals for more players and you, but we just haven't he hasn't been on the pitch and whether that's because like I said because he's been injured or he just for some reason can't beat out uh, Thomas Muller or Serge Gnabry or Fr- Frank Ribery um, in particular that that's that's disappointing and I don't know yeah, I, I I don't really have a whole lot else to say about that, but yeah, he's just been a disap- he has been a disappointment. Um, it just just because we haven't been able to see him.
1: Fair enough, uh, Tim. Most disappointing player of the season, uh, so far.
0: Full disclosure: completely forgot about Hammers. I <laughs> I genuinely
2: <laughs> could not remember game set and match. Hammers yeah. <laughs> disappointing. I think
0: that's. I think that's it. I think we're done here. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like thinking about it, I was in the, I was in the stadium for I think the Leverkusen game, and he came on and he looked slow and he looked sluggish, Um, but it was early in the season, so you know who knows. My nomination has to go to Sandro Wagner. I think he finished the season as a player that I genuinely wanted to see him start against Real Madrid because. Lewandowski was very ineffective in the first season going up against Sergio Ramos Rafael Varane I wanted a player that was going to fight an elbow and and try and break down not to condone violence or anything but I wanted a player that was going to be aggressive I saw that in every single game that Sandro Wagner played last season this year he's been largely ineffective which is sad because you know, it's like a perfect fairy tale story of like, okay, released by a boyhood club, do the hard work, like go to like Darmstadt, Kaiserslautern, Hoffenheim, and then you earn the chance to go back to your to your club. Like they give you a second chance, and then not only does he does he take the chance, but he does really really well. He he was kind of like seen as the away striker. I think most of the away games he was he was starting, and he did really well, and it was. It was a joy to see, and now to see him fail to recreate that same form. It's a shame. I I also have Sven Ulrich written down, which I realise is kind of a bit ridiculous considering he hasn't had a chance to disappoint. But it's more of a disappointment that we haven't seen him. I think last year he was probably one of, I think he was Bayern's most important player because he stepped into a position that is, firstly, very difficult. He's stepping into a position where he knows objectively and has it reminded every single day, by the way, the person that is supposed to do this job is the best in the world. So good luck. Okay. The mistake against Real Madrid, very disappointing. That was in my mind, the only, okay, there were a couple of things earlier on in the season, but that was like the one big mistake that he made. It came at the worst time, but he, he still carried on fighting. He was, it, I think, he kind of earned the role of like a cup, a cupkeeper. Probably not Champions League, but like the DFB Pokal keeper. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen him get get some time this year. I think he really earned it last season.
2: I think um, uh, before the season started, I think I wrote something for Byron Strikes about how I, uh, Sven Ulreich has earned more playing time, and and I do think. There is a little bit of a caveat there, where you can say that you know the first half of the season we're just trying to get Neuer back to Neuer type levels, and so he needs that consistency of play to to really work himself into into his groove. And so maybe we'll start to see him um, more after the break. We'll start to see Ulrich play a little bit more in um, Pokal games or some uh, games against some lower uh, competition in the Bundesliga. But I, again, yeah, I I, I would have liked to see him a little bit more this um this this season so that's a that's a good shout
1: I'll go ahead and go um Sebastian and you can wrap us up but for me the most disappointing player so far has been Matt Hummels and uh it's kind of because like Sandro Wagner he was really good last season uh even more so with Hummels he was I would say our best center back last season and coming into this this uh season I was really expecting a lot for him Um, He's been at the club a few seasons, been back at the club a few seasons now. He's supposed to be a leader of the team. um, And he's just really disappointed me, especially like on the pitch. He hasn't, he's been slow. He's always been slow, but he's been slower than usual. Um, His positioning has not been great. He's getting beaten one-on-one. And so, you know, you could throw Boateng in there as well. But I would say Hummels because I've expected more from Hummels going into the season than I did from Boateng. Uh, And I would say now they've kind of flipped roles uh, for me.
3: Interesting that none of you chose any of my top three, basically. Uh, One of my, or or, yeah, top three sounds a bit positive here. Anyway, um, uh, I thought I would go with either Boateng or uh, Martinez because those are two players I think rather highly of. And they, yeah. Did not uh, play as I would have expected them. They did not reach their usual quality of play, so I'm, I was quite disappointed with the two. But in the end, I think I have to go with Manuel Neuer. Uh, not that it really worried. Not that it really worries me. Uh, I think he he will be completely fine. But just in terms of the of the actual performance we saw in the first half of the season, I feel Manuel Neuer has yeah has been. The furthest below his usual level of play. That's why I will have to go with Manuel Neuer on this one.
1: I debated picking Manuel Neuer. Sebastian, He was it was either him or Hummels for me. Um, and I gave Neuer, I guess, a little bit more leniency because of the whole injury issues uh, and everything. But I, the Manuel Neuer that we've seen, like you said, the Manuel Neuer that we've seen so far this season is absolutely not the Manuel Neuer that we were watching week in, week out before his extended injury spell. Um, he probably still has the capability to be the best, the world's best goalkeeper, but he's not playing like it. Um, and I don't think there's any real debate about that. He's shown
0: glimpses. He, he had like a couple of good saves against like Frankfurt, a couple against Leipzig. But there is still there's like a doubt. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, we know that you're not quite at that level like, like anymore. Okay, he <laughs> saved it. Okay, thank yeah. you, thank you.
2: He's hesitating a little bit more, and I think that there is a little bit of a, of a uh, even if it's subconscious for him, this back-of-the-mind thing of, you know, do I trust this leg, or, you know, uh, do I trust my instincts at this point? Um, we might see it more as the season progresses. I mean, I think we have seen uh, an improvement from where he was at the beginning of the year, for sure, and especially through that, that month, month and a half stretch where we it seemed like we couldn't get a clean sheet to save our lives um it's been nice to see him kind of on a run here um especially with these last two games against two high scoring teams um we've been able to keep a clean sheet um but you know with javi martinez i think it's a a definitely a big one um that you know i hadn't really even considered but you know you go from being a player that was so important to byron at the end of last season and to where he's hardly ever even on the pitch um, at this point. I mean, and you you don't really even know whether he has a place on the pitch um, in most matches because you have other guys that can play his role in, and is he, you know, he's not, he can play center back, but he's not a good enough center back to even, Overtake Boateng and uh Hummels with their issues right now, I don't think, and even though you know, like I said, I think I said that last week that you know you could play him there instead of those two if if you felt like it but um but yeah i I think that that's definitely a, another another guy that uh we can look at and say it's kind of been a a disappointing year for him
1: okay, so finally, how would you grade Niko Kovac and the job he's done so far? because I know this is a topic that may cause a bit of dissension and it's something that I know at least most of us at one point in the in the season were ready for him to go. Um, looking back now taking, you know, this whole half season holistically, how would you rate Nico Kovac in the job he's done?
2: Are we saying on a 10-point scale? Are we saying like how are we how are we rating here?
1: Um yeah, we'll be we'll be pretty objective 10-point scale.
2: Okay, I'll start. Us. So um, I guess I would give him a six point eight on his year in that it hasn't. So you start out with uh, have a pretty hot start and things look like they're going pretty well. So maybe he, you know, he's pushing up in the sevens, getting towards the eight uh, range, and then we hit that that lull, that mini crisis, and that pushed him down to where I was even calling for, you know, like we might need to be looking at other options. And then over, you know, that Benfica game that I really didn't care anything about, um, they played well. And he came out before that game, um, a couple of days before that game and said, you'll see, you know, we'll get this turned around. And, um, to, to this last, to this last match against Frankfurt, it's been like, night and day you see players clearly buying in you see um guys um like Lewandowski like Ribery um playing ways that we haven't seen them be seen them playing um and and so there's a lot of really encouraging signs um from what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time um and so he's not he I don't think I can I can't push him up into the 7 or 8 range yet because um because you know you're second place in the Bundesliga at at the winter break and you're 6 points behind first place and you know that's not where we would hope for Bayern to be but there's been to have gone from being like optimistic but not really knowing what we're going to get to to you know basically calling for a new coach to now I'm really excited to see what he's able to do with this team in the second half of the year. That's, that's a huge, huge um, thing to, 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 to look at and a a great body of work. Um, And it's, and I'm, and I'm glad that they, that they were patient with him, patient, more patient than, than, you know, we might've been. So 6.8. I'll
1: go ahead and go after you because I would give him those little extra 0.2 points. He gets a seven for me. Um, And I'll go ahead and throw in something that we've brought up a lot. And that's heading into the season, he didn't get any signings uh, that he wanted. Assuming that he did want some signings, he didn't get anyone. Byron didn't, the board didn't buy a single player over the summer. Uh, Could be why they're ready to spend big in the winter now. But I think it's always going to be a tough situation um, heading into a season when, when you have that. And our expectations were never, you know, super high. Uh, and you pretty much hit the nail on the head for most of the stuff I wanted to say. So I'll just give him those extra 0.2 points. He gets a seven uh, for me.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can go that high, um, which doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm pessimistic here. Not at all. Uh, I feel quite good about the the rest of the season, uh, but that's not what I'm grading here. What I'm grading here is his performance in the first half of the season and there. I will have to give him a four because I feel he was he was the big, a big part of the problem for a lot of, of the first part of the season. and I cannot give him a good grade for that. Uh, it, it was not working. It was uh, he was, had had problems with his, with his players. I think we can be confident uh, stating that by now uh, that, that 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 didn't work out uh, because he wanted them to do something they they didn't feel was right. And he did not address, address that uh, immediately. He was not able to work that out before. Uh, yeah, it was nearly too late. So that's, a, that's not good. And, and I feel, uh, the very early games of this season, there was, yeah, that, that often comes down to luck. Uh, how well you start. Uh, that, that's all, I feel like that's often, often uh, really comes down to luck. So I, I can also not give him so many points for that, really. Uh imagine we would have uh, had a, a less luck very early in the season. He would have been gone if that, ha- if that had happened. So, yeah, it's four points for me. To,
1: to defend going a little bit higher, I think you have to look at the context of the Bundesliga and the fact that Borussia Dortmund and so many other teams are, have been very impressive this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in yeah. past seasons, Kovac would be playing in a Bundesliga where with the results that he has now heading into the winter break, he'd probably still be comfortably at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to mm-hmm. kind of defend that point of view looking yeah. uh, contextually, but we'll go to and go to Tim. Um, let's get your thoughts. Cause you weren't here when we talked about a, a few, several weeks back when we, we were all ready for Kovacs to go. Uh, you weren't here to defend him. So I want to hear your thoughts now.
0: No, I was listening to that episode. So angry saying, how could you do this? <laughs> i got to go for 7. No, 7.5. Okay. I think, I think Ben, you're exactly right. Context is very key here. Um, and I think ha- having the expectation he's not going to come in and win the treble. I think of Kovac as somebody that is more of a transitional manager that I'm hoping will help aid a transition and then also be there to see it come to fruition in in my eyes anyway. Um I think going in expecting him to win the league hands down so easy, or to quote Ancelotti with his hands behind his back or whatever it is, I think that was to I, I think that's too high of an expectation. I was willing to see Bayern struggle a bit. I think we struggled at times that I wasn't anticipating them struggling. I think of the the Augsburg game, Dusseldorf. These are matches that he should have won um but then I think of of other performances i I think of the first game against Hoffenheim where it just clicked really nicely like i I see a lot of people say he doesn't have an idea about tactics like he doesn't know what he's doing. This team is completely directionless and then I see players like like Gnabry and and Muller working really to get like working really, really nicely together. I see Lewandowski working with the players around him, everybody coming back like a slightly like a change in formation. And like, how could, like I'm, I must be watching a completely different game because I'm, I'm seeing changes that are required. I think he's done, you know, all things considered. I think he's done fine. Um, He's done about as good as I thought it would have, He was going to do, but obviously, teams like Dortmund have—they have done what Bayern should have done. They reinforced themselves. They got in the like the right manager for themselves, um and it's not a matter of oh they've just been doing well in the league. They've done really well in the Champions League as well. So it's like a it's like a, a cross competition thing. Like Bayern have done all right in the league. I. They, they've fallen where I wasn't expecting them to fall, but they've also done better where I was expecting them. Basically, those things have been swapped. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, if you average those all together, we're at a 6.3 for Niko Kovac for the first half of the season. So he's in the upper half, but still a lot to be desired there. Um, but finally... Last question to kind of end on a more positive note, hopefully. How optimistic are you heading into the second half of the season? And I'll go ahead and go right back to you, Tim. I think it'll be fine.
0: Um, Dortmund have dropped points recently. Gladbach have dropped points to Dortmund, which, you know, a bit of a shame, but I'll you'll take what you can get. Um, I think Bayern have the ability to capitalize on other teams' mistakes. That's what other teams have been doing with Bayern this season. So why can't we do the same? I think the league will be fine. If Bayern don't win it, you know, we're not going to be able to win every single league, every single year, forever. Like that bubble was going to burst at some point. But the fact that Bayern is still in contention, I think people seem to ignore that. In terms of the other competitions, the draw against Hertha Berlin is big. Um, But I think by then, a number of uh, wrinkles will be ironed out. And I think in terms of the Champions League, that's going to be the biggest question mark. I've got no idea how that's going to go. I, I think Bayern, again, they have a chance. But this is going to... Kovac is very unfortunate here. He's got arguably the worst draw imaginable, especially considering the chances of getting Roma were about 48% at one point And probability <laughs> just went out of the window. I was furious at that.
1: Uh, Sebastian, how optimistic are you heading into the uh, second half?
3: I'm pretty optimistic, I can say. You know, I feel like we are in a very good position to possibly win the league. Uh, if I would have to put uh, down some money, if I would have to bet on it, I would probably bet on uh, Bayern winning the league right now, because yeah, the, the six points is not so much. Uh, that's very doable. Of course, uh, it's not. It's not easy. It will not be. Uh, we cannot just, uh, yeah, relax and wait for it to happen. There's going to be uh, work uh, they have will have to put in there. But that's very doable. Uh, the same same is, is true for the DFB Pokal. Yeah, the r- real big problem is Champions League now. Of course, uh, I watched an interview with Oliver Kahn this week uh, where he said. He's very happy about that, and I think it's great that Bayern plays against Liverpool. Uh, I did not completely agree there. It's going to be exciting, of course. It's going to be an exciting match, but more likely than not, we're not going to win this. It, of course, it's possible, but I think, uh, yeah. Oliver Kahn even said, uh, uh, Bayern is, is never the outsider. Bayern, Bayern, Bayern sind insider Außenseiter. They, they are, yeah. That was interesting. Uh, that was really interesting that he would say that. He I think he really has the right mentality. Uh, I would like that mentality from uh, some people with, uh, properly within the club. But on the other hand, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't
3: feel like that uh, we we have the better chances here.
1: No, I'm with Khan here in that I think that I like the Liverpool draw and here's why. Based on this past half season so far and everything with Nico Kovac Going out in the round of 16, looking at it holistically, it's not that big of a deal for Bayern this season. The expectations are low. But for Kovac to draw Liverpool and beat Jurgen Klopp, one of the biggest managers in the world, that potential that's there, uh, it'd be massive not only for his confidence but for fans to buy into what he's doing, um, to show potential players that could be coming to Bayern that, okay, this coach does know what he's doing. So since we're addressing the Liverpool draw... Uh, I think that it may be a blessing in disguise kind of thing. Um, or it's a negative that could be turned into a positive very easily.
2: The problem is that it's two legs. And, um, if you do well in one leg and then all of a sudden the expectations shift and now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at people, you know, just outraged because he couldn't, he couldn't pull out a win when they, it was right there for the taking, um, but I do agree. I, I I think that we'll come away feeling a lot better about this Bayern team than um, when we go into the draw uh, with Liverpool, and um, so so I guess the transition into how optimistic I am. I I think that I'm I'm pretty pretty optimistic about our chances in uh, in the Bundesliga, uh, being only six points back of a Dortmund team that's been. Um, really, really good, but also have, for lack of a better term, been kind of lucky. Um, they've, they've been the beneficiaries of, um, high, high, uh, conversion rate and, and maybe, maybe that will, uh, maybe that'll keep up and they are this good, but just, you know, there's gotta be a little bit of a regression to the mean, I think. And, um, and when that happens, um, if it happens early enough, Bayern could just be hitting their stride at that point because it, it looks like we're Bayern starting to, uh, starting to pick up steam and, and really start to learn how to play with each other and in this Nico Kovac system, and uh, and so I I have a lot of optimism. I don't know that I would that I think that they're going to win the Bundesliga. Um, like I don't know if I would you know put money on it. Although the odds would probably be pretty pretty favorable at this point in terms of you know, you get a nice little sum of money for it. But um but I but so yeah, I'm I'm optimistic there. Um the Pokal is the Pokal and so um I think that, you know we should be we should be looking at quarterfinals, semifinals, um at 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 the least. Um and and then uh Champions League uh to kinda go come full circle. I I think that we'll be pleasantly surprised with how Byron play against uh, Liverpool, and I, uh, I don't know, I, I can't quite bring myself to predict a win and a, an advancement um, to the next round, but I'm close, and and so and so that's that's kind of where I'm at with this team. They've they've really pulled me back. Um, from the brink of depression (laughs) on their season earlier Um, because I do I want to just hammer home just the fact that there was so much dissension to Kovac and there was so much um, FC Hollywood type stuff going on where it was just week after week we were talking about apologies having to be made we were talking about you know people in the locker room you know Fighting with it, we're talking about players' girlfriends or, or not girlfriends, wives, um, you know, posting things on Instagram and and all that. And yet now we're to this point where it almost seems like, yeah, we know James is not happy. Yeah, we know Homos is not happy. But who cares? We got all these other people on board, and they're and they're playing well, and they're playing together, and they're playing for each other. I think that's such a huge shift for a Bayern team that has had some issues with egos i th- i think and um and so this is this is a big thing in in my optimism and, and and so yeah i'm i'm very optimistic uh for the the season to come
1: well we got we have optimism uh, across the board um but that's all that we have for today uh byron munich do not play again until january 18th but we do plan to have more content out for you guys before then so be on the lookout for that and um let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear, or anything you want us to talk about. You can do that on Twitter uh, at Super Byron Pod. Email us at Super at gmail.com. Um, of course, give us a like, a review, uh, tell all your friends about us, spread the word, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.